Several members of this church are gathering together on Sunday mornings to do a Bible study together. It's called Jesus and the Gospels. And the way that we are looking at the Gospels is we're sort of looking at how each author portrays Jesus slightly differently, what that tells us about the author and about the audience, and how it emphasizes different aspects of Jesus. And so we will look at stories that are common in the different Gospels, but then look at what's the same and what's different. Why would Matthew and Luke add something that Mark didn't have, or why would they choose to delete something that Mark didn't have? And then, then John is off all to himself, because he just tells things in a different way, in a different style. And so we're interested in, in what these similarities and these differences reveal to us about who they're talking to, who Jesus is, and how that informs who we are. So this week, with this story of Jesus before Pilate, I looked at it in all four Gospels. I looked at it in all four places. And what's interesting to me is, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus only says one thing. And then he remains silent for the rest of this so-called trial that he's having. And it is in the Gospel of Matthew that we have the scene of Pilate washing his hands before the people, literally saying, I wash my hands of this responsibility. And Pilate's wife, who encourages him to stay away from the whole scenario, she's only in the Gospel of Matthew. And then I notice in the Gospel of Mark, Mark specifies very specifically that the Jewish leaders are envious of Jesus, that envy is their motivation. John is the only place where we have an extended dialogue between Jesus and Pilate. John is the only place where the issue of what is the nature of Jesus' kingdom comes in in this particular story. It's the only thing that, that we only see it in John. Well, what does that tell us about who John is? What does that tell us about what he's trying to tell us about Jesus? Why is the kingdom of God and the nature of Jesus' kingdom important to John in this context, at this time, in this story? And what does that tell us? about Jesus. That's what stood out to me. Because it's only in John, why is that, why is that there? Why is that there? And what, what does it tell us about that? Jesus says that I was born to testify to the truth. That's why I've come, is to testify to the truth. And Pilate's response is, what is truth? What is truth? That's Pilate's question. And in reality, that's our question too. What is truth? In this day of fake news and, forgive me for saying this, political ads, where's the truth? What is truth? We recall that when we are in the Gospel of John, it is always helpful to go back to one central idea that is more strong in the Gospel of John than in the other three, and that is that Jesus is God. That Jesus is God in the flesh walking among us. That is a big deal in the Gospel of John, and it is going to play into this story of Jesus in Pilate. The truth is, Jesus is God. I have said before that Jesus is the grace of God in person. Jesus is the truth of God in person. The first chapter of John, it says that Jesus is full of grace and truth. When we look at Jesus, we are looking at the truth of God. We are looking at something God wants to reveal to us about God's self. We are looking at God's word walking around among us. What is truth? Jesus. 
So what does Jesus' life reveal to us? How is Jesus' life a testimony to truth? Well, Jesus reinterpreted some of the law. He could teach. He was a good teacher, but it's what he was teaching. He was teaching grace and love and forgiveness and mercy. And he was talking about loving people other people were saying don't bother with. Jesus loved Jews, Gentiles, men, women, elite, and low. He loved all of them. He loved all of them. And so the truth that we see in Jesus is a truth that is about love. Well, then it makes sense that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world because that's something this world can't take. Earthly kingdoms are about power and oppression and putting people down, and Jesus' kingdom is not about that at all. Jesus' kingdom is about lifting up the lowly and loving the ones that other people tell us not to. So Jesus' kingdom is not as of this world. Well, thank goodness it's not. Thank goodness Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. The Jewish leaders wanted to keep the status quo. They wanted everything to stay exactly as they are. And I want to be very clear here that we are not talking about all Jews. There were Jews that were followers of Jesus. There were Jews that were, that were loving and kind. We're also not talking about all of the Jewish leaders because we see in the Gospel of John, some Jewish leaders like to have conversations with Jesus. Nicodemus becomes one of his disciples. We have debates in the Gospel of John. What are we going to do with this Jesus? And some leaders say, don't kill him, leave him alone. So when we're talking about the Jewish leaders going to Pilate, we're talking about a subset. A subset of the Jewish leaders. Don't miss that. We're not talking about all the Jews. We're not talking about all the Jewish leaders. We're talking about a, a few of them. And they are going because they want the status quo to stay the same. They want it to stay the same. Because if Jesus becomes too popular, then the Jewish leaders are going to lose their status and their rank. They're okay with some of the teachings that Jesus is saying, and they're okay with Jesus gathering these followers, but the, what broke the camel's back was the death of Lazarus. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he'd been dead for four days, and Jesus raised him, what are the Jewish leaders supposed to do with that? How are they to compete with that? That's where they feel threatened. Because they feel threatened, because they don't want to lose their place and status in society, they want to keep the status quo. Pilate wants to keep the status quo. His whole job is about keeping the status quo. His whole job is to keep the people quiet, to keep them peaceful, and to keep the money coming in. That's Pilate's whole job. And so anytime somebody causes a riot or there is, there is an insurrection of some kind, Pilate wants to quash that, publicly humiliate that person and take them out if he can. That's Pilate's whole job. Keep the status quo. The human condition is to keep the status quo. I think for most people, we really don't like change. We like things to kind of stay the same. We're taught don't rock the boat keep an even keel, don't make waves. We like the status quo, especially when that status quo gives us a position of power or status. We like to keep things balanced. 
Jesus' kingdom is about none of that. None of that. Jesus' kingdom is about loving all people. Well, how can love be against the status quo? Well, it is. Jesus' kingdom is upside down, backwards, subversive, and offensive in many, many ways. Because he teaches you to put other people ahead of yourselves, something the Jewish leaders and Pilate could not get. He teaches you to love and serve other people, something the kingdoms of this earth really don't want. The kingdoms of earth want riches and status and power, and Jesus was having nothing to do with that. Thank God Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. What is the truth that we testify to? How is Community United Methodist Church upending the status quo? First of all, we profess that God loves all people. That God loves all people. We say, yes, Jesus loved the men and the women and the elite and the rich and the Jews and the Gentiles. Jesus loves black, brown, and white Democrats and Republicans. Jesus loves me and the person I really, really don't want to love. How can love be against the status quo? Society teaches us they'd rather us be against each other, and there are people who don't deserve love. And I hate to say this, there are some Christians that believe that's true. That there are, it's okay not to love some people. We have a theology that we preach here that is against the status quo of society, and that is sad. But that's how we upend the status quo. How does this church upend the status quo? You were asked, can you take a female pastor? And you said yes. That upends the status quo in this part of Collin County. There's not another female pastor out here, and believe me, I know that. And I feel that. I feel it. This tiny, tiny church said, we want to feed people who are hungry. We didn't start a food closet. We started a by-volume food pantry. Well, that's upending the status quo. And we did it by partnering with churches of another denomination. Upending the status quo. Moving into the future, we will continue to upend the status quo. On Saturday the 24th, we are having a church cleanup day with one focus, and that is to get the children's classroom that is behind the sanctuary in this building back here a little bit more up to snuff. And to do that, we got to do some cleaning on the outside of the building so that we are going back there as a parent. It's clean. It's clean. Status quo tells us that children's ministry is defined as weekly Sunday school. Does that mean if we don't have weekly Sunday school that we don't have children's ministry? No. We are going to do children's ministry according to our context. And by that, I mean who are our neighbors and who do we have in this congregation already. Our dream is in five years to have weekly children's Sunday school, but does that mean we don't have children's ministry between now and then? No. Our children's team has put together a couple of ideas that we'd like to see if we can make it pull it off in 2018. The first one is to have a couple of family movie nights over the summer. Dinner and a movie right here on this property. That is something Copeville does not have. 
a safe place to go with your family for good food and free entertainment. And while we have people here, why don't we love on them a little bit? That's upending the status quo. And the second thing that the children's team has talked about, and we're not really sure exactly how to pull it off, but I have a guess that we're going to figure it out. We have children here almost every time that we have Seven Loves East. How can we be in better ministry to the children who are on this property once a month? Some of the regulars that we've gotten to know. What if we had an arts and crafts? What if we had a Bible study? What if we had them in mission with other children in other places? What would that look like? That is upending the status quo. Youth ministry hasn't had a status quo in a decade. I'm telling you this right now. Weekly youth Sunday school happens rarely in churches anymore. It's not what preteens and teens want. What preteens and teens want and need is relationships. Have a relationship-centric ministry. What does that look like? I read something recently that really caught my attention. For a youth who is raised in the church, for that youth to maintain their faith into adulthood, one thing is common in that thread, and that is relationships with five adults when they were being raised in the church. That can't be one pastor and one youth director. It's got to be five adults. That's how you build relationships. That's how you build up a youth's faith that will carry them into adulthood. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do this year? We sat down with Devin and we said, what are you interested in doing? Letting him tell us what's fun. Not me think that I know what a 13-year-old, he'll soon be 13, by the way, 10 days away. You're going to have a second teen. No more kids in your house. you got another teenager coming on. I don't know what a 13-year-old boy likes to do, so what do you do? Ask. What a concept. That's upending the status quo. So I want you to look for things in your newsletter coming up later this year, especially we're going to start in April. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask Devin, what do you want to do? And then we're just going to show up and go along with him and have some fun. In that fun time, we're building relationships with him. He's learning to trust the adults in this congregation so that he and his friends and anybody else that happens to show up for these things will eventually feel safe enough to ask questions. Questions about scripture, questions about theology, questions about the church, questions about society. We're building a youth ministry based centrally on relationships. That is upending the status quo. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to work. He's going to know that we've got his back and that we love him. And he's going to know that we're safe. So watch for these fun things. Say, oh my gosh, what a great excuse for me to go drive a go-kart. I would love to do that. Come on. And I want to give Devin some credit. He also said he wants to do one thing in missions. We're going to go down to the North Texas Food Bank as a church with him to see how the North Texas Food Bank sorts the food before it comes out here to Seven Loves East. Won't that be cool to get to go and witness and work a little bit and do that? I think that'll be really fun. I want to tell you one more thing that we're going to do to upend the status quo. Oh, there's, 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 and y'all know me, there's going to be more than just one more. There's one other thing I wanted to share with you. In the fall, when we did our long-term visioning, five years out, when we had our conversation for long-term visioning, we talked about the dreams and the goals of this church. When we got it all up on a whiteboard, we said, okay, that's a lot and the physical property where we are located right here is constraining. 
it is limiting. And we proved that in November when we had 61 families come through for Seven Loaves East and we were overwhelmed. The property can't handle the parking, it can't handle the cars, it can't handle the people. It was too much. We are limited and we are and constrained where we are here. So that group decided maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. And we are actually, as a small church, investigating land with the idea of purchasing land, with the idea of what if, what if in five years we had a facility that could handle all the dreams and the goals? That is upending the status quo for us to even be considering that. Our history proves that when we follow the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit says, let's go, we upend the status quo. And our history proves that it takes nerve, it takes courage, it takes faith. And where do those come from? Jesus Christ. Jesus upended the status quo and he calls us to do the same. He calls us to trust. And when we pay attention to where the Holy Spirit is telling us, go, boy, do we see things happen. Jesus is a different kind of king and he's the kind of king that I can get behind. I think it's the kind of king that all of us can get behind. The kingdoms of the earth are about power and oppression and status and riches. The kingdom of Jesus is about love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Jesus upended the status quo and he tells us to do the same. In this church, upending the status quo is fun. So I say let's do it some more. Let's upend the status quo. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.